On May 31, 2003, 750 classical music enthusiasts arrived at the Purcell Room in South London. Contemporary composer Sarah Anglis had chosen the intimate hall for her latest performance. As the guests took their seats, many noticed what resembled a large black sewer pipe positioned at the back of the room. Oddly, it was pointed directly at them. It didn't seem to have any practical value. When the music started, the pipe didn't emit any sound. Minutes later, the evening's music filled the room, and the audience forgot all about the strange pipe. They were too busy enjoying the composer's delicate arrangement. Everyone in the room was relaxed and serene. They slowly sank lower into their seats. Some even closed their eyes. But as the night carried on and the strings of the orchestra soared, the audience's relaxation turned to unease. Some concertgoers began to shiver. Others felt a pit develop in their stomach. One listener's heart rate shot so high that it triggered a traumatic memory from their past to resurface. Revulsion and fear swept through the room. Dozens of audience members stood up and left. They had no idea that they were unknowingly subjected to an experiment. Throughout the concert, the pipe hanging behind them was pumping infrasounds, deep bass noises that were imperceptible to the human ear. However, that didn't mean they didn't have an effect. Psychologist Richard J. Wiseman helped design the study. It seemed to prove that feelings of dread and unease could unknowingly be inflicted on mankind. The potential applications were terrifying. Nearly 15 years later, 26 American diplomats became mysteriously sick in Havana, Cuba. Almost all of them reported hearing a strange pulsing sound before experiencing their symptoms. It appeared England wasn't the only one researching the weaponization of sound. Someone else was in on it too. And they might have tested the technology on American citizens. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. This is our second and final episode on Havana Syndrome, a debilitating group of symptoms resembling brain trauma that was discovered in a number of U.S. diplomats stationed in Cuba beginning in 2016. Last week, we discussed the timeline of the syndrome's appearance. From late 2016 to the end of 2018, a total of 26 American diplomats were said to have suffered from Havana syndrome. The symptoms included hearing grating noises, vibrations, and feeling a dull, intense pressure in one's brain. 
This week, we'll discuss a number of theories surrounding Havana Syndrome, from sonic weapons to Jamaican crickets to mass hysteria. The jury is still out on what could possibly cause the mysterious group of symptoms. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. The first report on Havana Syndrome seems straight out of a James Bond novel. It implied that someone had used a mysterious weapon to shoot paralyzing sounds into American diplomats' brains. The victims of the alleged attack had diverse and inconsistent symptoms. Some experienced dizziness, nausea, and hearing loss. Others suffered short-term memory loss, difficulty recalling words, and an inability to focus. MRIs and CT scans of their brains revealed signs of possible concussions, but there was no evidence of external head trauma. When interviewed about when the symptoms began, some diplomats recalled a moment that felt as if a beam of pressure struck their skulls. Others described hearing a sound akin to large pieces of metal scraping together. In February of 2018, the University of Pennsylvania published their initial medical assessment of the syndrome in the Journal of the American Medical Association. The study stated that the victims of Havana syndrome had most likely been exposed to, quote, unknown energy. The vagueness of the term unknown energy, combined with a statement made by the U.S. State Department declaring that diplomats were victims of a health attack, made it appear that some sort of weapon had been used. Because many of the symptoms appeared to be auditory, an assumption was made that it was a sonic weapon. That meant someone had successfully weaponized sound. Given that the effects weren't felt by anyone other than the American diplomats at first, FBI investigators concluded that the weapon must have had the ability to fire a concentrated beam at its targets. It may have been the next step in infrasound, or sound that is below our hearing levels. And there was evidence that someone had used it to create adverse symptoms in people before. 
In 2003, psychologist Richard J. Wiseman conducted an experiment testing the capability of infrasounds at a concert in London. More than 20% of the concertgoers experienced symptoms, and some were so uncomfortable they were forced to leave the room. The effect was so intense, some even experienced heart palpitations. Perhaps someone had gotten a hold of Wiseman's research and taken it even further, beyond a rudimentary sewer pipe emitting low-frequency sounds. To better understand this possibility, let's take a closer look at infrasounds and how they function. Infrasonics are sonic wavelengths measured below 20 hertz, or 20 vibrations per second. Because of their incredibly low frequency, they are undetectable to the human ear. A human with impeccable hearing typically can't hear anything below 20 hertz. However, just because we can't hear something, that doesn't mean it's not real. For example, elephants can hear as low as 14 hertz, some whales as low as 7 in water. It's not fully understood why the human brain finds these infrasounds so distressing, but thanks to Wiseman's research, we know they do and his research has been corroborated. In an article published in Popular Science magazine, neuroscientist Seth S. Horowitz explains that the low frequency of infrasonic sound and its corresponding long wavelength make it much more capable of bending around or penetrating the human body, creating an oscillating pressure system, which can have very unusual non-auditory effects. To put it more simply, while they may not make your head explode, inaudible sounds can have definitively physiological effects. Prior to 2016, a precedent had even been set for sonic weapons. During World War II, the Nazis attempted to create an acoustic cannon that could theoretically cripple or kill all those in its path. Supposedly, it generated sound pulses at 44 hertz that could cause vertigo and nausea from as far away as 300 yards. As rumor had it, the acoustic cannon could kill a person in only 30 seconds. However, the sonic cannon was only tested on lab animals, and its fragile build would have made it practically unusable in the field. Luckily, the Nazis didn't have time to develop the weapon further, and it wasn't operational by the time the war concluded. But that didn't mean the development of sonic weapons ended. In the early 2000s, a form of technology was developed for the United States known as Long Range Acoustic Devices, or LRADs. Essentially, they were hulking devices meant to transmit infrasounds over great distances. The U.S. has employed the technology in reaction to protests and civil unrest on its own soil. It has also used LRADs to combat piracy in international waters. That said, acoustic experts doubt infrasonic technology was the cause of Havana Syndrome. Low-frequency sonics are incredibly difficult to focus. If they were weaponized in Cuba, the effects should have been experienced by far more than the U.S. diplomats. But according to the victims, the symptoms of Havana syndrome occasionally stopped if the diplomats moved a few feet to their left or right. 
This meant the source was more likely a focused beam. And as we mentioned, the diplomats claim to hear noises at the onset of their symptoms, like the grating of metal. If true, that implies the cause is something other than infrasonics, which we know are imperceptible to the human ear. That reasoning caused some to believe the source was another type of sonic weaponry that has been deployed in warfare, microwaves. While we normally think about microwaves being in our kitchen, these electromagnetic waves were used by militaries all over the world. In 1965, American intelligence became aware of the Soviet Union's attempt to develop weaponry out of microwave technology. Evidently, the Soviets were blanketing the American embassy in Moscow with microwaves. But like the Nazis' acoustic technology, there's no evidence to suggest that this strategy caused any real damage. The microwaves generated at the embassy were only five microwatts per square centimeter, and yet, American intelligence officers were worried that the Soviets were up to something. Specifically, they were concerned that the low-level microwaves were somehow affecting the embassy workers' judgment. A missed call here, an encryption error there. Mental errors that could be chalked up to the same kind of disorientation experienced by the American diplomats in Havana half a century later. However, like the Nazis' attempts to build a sonic cannon, the Soviets' attempt to weaponize microwaves was apparently a failure. But perhaps the Americans took note of their techniques and eventually perfected them. By 2004, the Pentagon had created a form of electromagnetic weaponry called the Active Denial System, or ADS. Similar to the microwave in your home, some skeptics worried that it simply emanated high-powered microwaves. But instead of heating up a can of soup, the ADS essentially cooked human skin. It caused intense pain, but theoretically created no long-term damage, as the waves were supposedly shorter and at a higher frequency than true microwaves. If the ADS lived up to its billing, it could be a powerful means of crowd control. In the summer of 2010, the active denial systems were mounted on top of Humvees and deployed for two months in Afghanistan. To the American military's dismay, the potential benefits of the device were outweighed by the negative perception of its use, and the systems were recalled before they ever saw combat. But perhaps someone else found a way to improve upon this technology. Dr. Douglas H. Smith, one of the leads on the 2018 Journal of the American Medical Association report on the Havana Syndrome, believed that microwaves might have caused the U.S. diplomats' confounding symptoms. As evidence, Dr. Smith cited something called the Fry Effect. In the 1960s, a neuroscientist at Cornell University, Alan H. Fry, conducted experiments on the effects of different radar systems. He found that his test subjects could hear phantom sounds during microwave testing. If he pointed a microwave transmitter in a subject's direction, they'd often hear inexplicable noises. The transmitter's distance didn't matter. It could be a few inches or hundreds of feet away. According to Fry, microwaves don't make sounds, 
but the human brain can perceive sound when it comes into contact with them, which would explain why the diplomats heard bizarre metallic sounds before experiencing the Havana syndrome. And unlike infrasonics, microwaves can be focused into narrow beams. At high levels, microwaves can even cause concussion-like effects in the brain. And yet, not every researcher or scientist was convinced that microwaves were behind the Havana syndrome. According to the microwave theory's detractors, it was entirely hypothetical. No one has ever been able to replicate similar symptoms to the Havana syndrome with microwaves. Although the ADS deployed in Afghanistan was arguably a microwave weapon, its effects didn't match the same symptoms of Havana syndrome. Burning skin is a far cry from memory loss and nausea. To date, no weapon or energy source has been found that matches the symptoms that the U.S. diplomats experienced in Cuba. And it might be because there wasn't any weapon, at least not in the conventional sense. After the Associated Press released an audio recording of one of the alleged sonic attacks, perceptions started to shift. Some concluded that the cause of Havana syndrome might be biological in nature. Coming up, could Havana syndrome have been caused by insects? This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Ever since Havana Syndrome appeared in 2016, it has confounded investigators. Some researchers hypothesized that the phenomenon was caused by weapons that utilized sonic or electromagnetic waves. However, the Havana Syndrome's symptoms don't match these waves' effects. But just when it seemed an answer would never come, the Associated Press released a recording of the alleged attack on U.S. Embassy workers in Havana. It was a potential breakthrough in this seemingly unsolvable mystery. The unusual sounds on the recording happened in intervals. Some lasted just a few seconds, others lasted several minutes. Each burst of sound was followed by a bout of silence. There didn't appear to be a pattern to any of it. But the seeming randomness didn't dissuade experts from weighing in on the recording. In fact, they determined that whatever was making the noise wasn't a single sound. There were more than 20 different unique frequencies found in the recording. Clashing like a fork scraping a bowl or fingernails running down a chalkboard. Kevin Fu, an electrical engineering and computer science professor at the University of Michigan, proposed that the sound could actually be interference. Two devices, most likely meant for recording and surveillance, might have been placed too close to one another. Perhaps someone was spying on the U.S. officials. Whatever covert surveillance devices they used might have malfunctioned 
which would mean that it wasn't an attack so much as it was botched reconnaissance. This idea makes sense, given that the diplomats were stationed in Cuba. Historically, the United States hasn't had the best relationships with its island neighbor. Most of the diplomats lived in local hotels in the Cuban capital of Havana. It would have been relatively easy for the government to bug their rooms. Unsurprisingly, many of the affected diplomats experienced their symptoms while they were at their residences. Conversely, there were never any complaints of sonic events within the American embassy itself. U.S. officials were certain no surveillance gear had ever made its way into the embassy. If the Havana syndrome was caused by surveillance equipment interference, that would explain why. John Seifer, a security expert with 28 years of experience in the CIA, explained that eavesdropping efforts can pose a risk for the target's health. Listening devices have been known to short out. Some have caused fires. Others emit high-pitched tones that have caused splitting headaches. Seifer also stated that spy equipment doesn't have to malfunction for it to pose a danger to someone's health. In order to disable ultrasonic listening devices, intelligence experts use what's called an ultrasonic jammer. While they prevent further spying, the jammers can produce a high-pitched noise harmful to someone's inner ears. The damage looks similar to what victims of Havana syndrome experienced. And the damage wouldn't necessarily have to come from jammers. Devices such as security alarms and room occupancy sensors can interfere with ultrasonic listening devices and produce the same terrible sound. Taken together, Kevin Fu and John Cipher's information painted a compelling picture. However, malfunctioning surveillance equipment wouldn't account for the concussion-like symptoms in the victims' brains. Though occasionally irritating, ultrasonic sounds are relatively harmless and have not definitively demonstrated the ability to cause brain damage. The further some audiologists dug into the recording, the less convinced they became that they were hearing interference. In fact, some wondered if the source of the noise was something far more organic. In January 2019, researchers Alexander Stubbs of the University of California at Berkeley and Fernando Montalegre Zapata of the University of Lincoln released a study about the recording. They proposed that the sound captured by the recording was neither a brand new weapon nor interference from espionage tools. Instead, they believed it was a group of singing crickets. This theory may sound a bit absurd, but Stubbs had good reason for his suspicions. He grew up in the Caribbean, and when he heard the recording, it reminded him of an insect he'd heard as a kid, the Indie short-tailed cricket. The insects were so loud that he could apparently hear them while inside a diesel truck as it sped 40 miles per hour down a highway. In other words, they were capable of overwhelmingly irritating noise. To test this theory, Stubbs downloaded the Associated Press's audio file of the supposed attacks and compared it to insect recordings hosted by the University of Florida. He looked for similarities in pulse repetition rate, pulse rate stability, oscillations per pulse, and its power spectrum, 
which are essentially the fingerprints of audio. If Stubbs could find a match, he might be able to confirm his theory. In his preliminary investigation, Stubbs discovered that the recording's audio fingerprints were incredibly similar to the mating calls of the Indies' short-tailed cricket. The only measurement that differed was the consistency of the pulse rate. The recording released by the AP was erratic and didn't seem to follow any rhythmic pattern. As Stubbs learned, Indies' short-tailed crickets rarely, if ever, deviated from their distinctive pattern. Stubbs decided to create conditions that more closely resembled the surroundings of the diplomats in Havana. This meant playing the recordings in an environment that would mimic the echoes that might result from the cricket song occurring in a small room, as opposed to the outdoors. Eventually, Stubbs made out the distinct call of the Indies' short-tailed cricket. As the cricket calls bounced off the room's walls, Stubbs discovered that the noises were almost an exact match to the AP recording. Stubbs told the New York Times that his findings didn't rule out the possibility that the diplomats experienced an attack of some kind. But he was fairly certain the recording from the AP was the Indies' short-tailed cricket. Prior to the release of his findings, Stubbs' theory was corroborated when a U.S. diplomat who was stationed in Cuba at the time told his story to Science Magazine. One night, while he was standing in the atrium of his house, he heard a metallic sound so loud that it resulted in a headache. He was sufficiently alarmed to call the U.S. Embassy. They sent a security officer to record the sound. A lot of trouble might have been saved if anyone had bothered to listen to the locals who could identify the sound right away. The man's housekeeper told him that it was the Jamaican field cricket, a close cousin of the Indies short-tailed cricket. She told the diplomat flatly, oh yeah, they drive people crazy. Though a rather common insect might explain the recording, it doesn't explain Havana Syndrome's wide range of symptoms. In fact, some of the victims told reporters that they had never heard the mating call before. It's possible that the event that caused the debilitating symptoms was never captured in any form, if there was an event to capture at all. The lack of clear evidence left investigators at a loss. Every road they went down seemed to be a dead end. Until they found themselves examining the mysterious and limitless possibilities of the human mind. Coming up, could Havana Syndrome have been psychosomatic? Now, back to the story. From sonic weapons to crickets, there have been plenty of theories suggested for the possible cause of Havana Syndrome. But it's possible that the solution was right in front of investigators the entire time. In March 1933, President Franklin D. Roosevelt famously stated in his first inauguration speech that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Though seemingly unrelated to Havana Syndrome, FDR's musings might actually help explain what caused its bizarre symptoms. 
In 2016, the U.S. diplomats stationed in Cuba were terrified that someone was in possession of a dangerous weapon. However, our final theory suggests that no weapon ever existed. The fear of danger collided with the human imagination and may have led to what's known as mass hysteria or mass psychogenic illness, a psychosomatic phenomenon that can have real physiological effects. As we discussed last week, tensions between the United States and Cuba had been high since Fidel Castro came to power in 1959. So when the U.S. announced that diplomats stationed in Havana had fallen victim to an unknown attack, it resulted in panic. The idea of a dangerous weapon that couldn't be seen or heard, but could cause concussion-like symptoms, was terrifying. For all anyone knew, the next attack could be right around the corner, and nobody knew how to defend themselves. But not everyone was convinced that a frightening new technology was targeting American diplomats. Even when the Journal of the American Medical Association, or JAMA, published their report on Havana Syndrome in February 2018, the idea of an unknown energy source being the cause was met with skepticism. Almost immediately, a group of scientists wrote a criticism of the results and suggested that it was likely a case of mass hysteria. Apparently, the symptoms exhibited by the victims were the same as individuals who had suffered from mass hysteria in the past. Namely, headaches, dizziness, nausea, abdominal pain, coughs, fatigue, and sore throats. These symptoms were also too broad to indicate a specific attack. The chief editor of the scientific journal Cortex, Sergio Della Sala, took issue with the low bars set for what constituted a symptom of Havana syndrome. For instance, one in six Americans report experiencing tinnitus or a ringing in their ears. Many things can cause tinnitus, and Della Sala couldn't justify the leap from this relatively common ailment to a politically motivated attack, especially one that came from something as vague as an unknown energy source. If the State Department had investigated any group of people off the street, chances are they would find evidence of tinnitus, let alone in a high-stress environment. Unfortunately, even medical experts don't always recognize psychosomatic illnesses. For instance, a 2015 report in The Guardian newspaper profiled a woman who experienced blindness caused by stress. It took doctors months and dozens of sometimes painful tests to figure it out. Psychosomatic illnesses are so hard to diagnose because typically, they can only be confirmed by eliminating every other potential cause first. Robert Bartholomew, a medical sociologist and one of the leading experts on psychosomatic illnesses, spoke to Vanity Fair at length about the disorders. He said it was best to understand them as a placebo effect in reverse. You can often make yourself feel better by taking a sugar pill. You can also make yourself feel sick if you think you are becoming sick. Bartholomew also called the data published in the original JAMA study too unclear to be taken seriously. Like Sergio della Sala, 
He claimed the parameters for affliction were so broad that anyone could have derived whatever outcome they wanted from the results. Meaning, if they wanted the results to show that a devastating electromagnetic weapon was being used, they could make that happen. But the symptoms weren't all mental. The JAMA study suggested that they had found physical damage in the inner ear of Havana syndrome victims. It was one of the pieces of evidence that led some to believe that a sonic weapon had been used. However, the damage may have been present before the individuals were ever assigned to their Cuban post. Sergio de la Sala further criticized that the JAMA paper only gave a statement filled with claims that patients had self-reported. There was no way to tell when that damage had occurred. Furthermore, the paper didn't include any concrete evidence, measurable data, or statistics. In fact, Della Sala claimed that the study would not have been published by most respected neuropsychology outlets. Backing up the idea that the Havana syndrome symptoms derived from mass hysteria, medical sociologist Robert Bartholomew pointed out that large-scale psychosomatic disorders are fairly common. For example, in 2011, 20 students at Leroy High School in New York suddenly developed symptoms such as speech impediments and muscle twitches. The symptoms left the community wondering what was happening. Many of the students' parents believed that the ailment was caused by something in the school's drinking water. But after closer examination, it was found to be a case of mass hysteria. Many of the victims were members of the school's cheerleading team, and psychologists determined that social media was causing an abnormal amount of stress. The stress moved like a contagion between the tight-knit group. Fortunately, the illness went away. Within weeks of being treated by psychologists, the victims from Leroy High School returned to normal life. And these types of problems don't just occur in high school hallways. One of the earliest cited examples of a psychogenic disorder is known as shell shock. Doctors first coined the phrase to describe a group of symptoms suffered by soldiers in World War I. They developed nervous tics, tremors, nightmares, even impaired sight and hearing. The symptoms were typical for survivors of bomb raids, but soldiers who had never been near an explosion also experienced the same symptoms. Eventually, scientists determined that shell shock was caused by the general trauma of their surroundings. The soldiers didn't need to be near the bomb raids to share their comrades' symptoms. And like with Havana syndrome, shell-shocked soldiers showed concussion-like symptoms. As it turns out, the best way to treat Havana syndrome may have been to tell the patient that sonic weapons were never used on them. Over time, and with a bit of relaxation, their symptoms might have faded. It's now widely accepted that the recording released by the Associated Press was, in fact, the sound of crickets. Since the initial outbreak between late 2016 and 2018, there have been no more documented cases of the mysterious affliction. Just as suddenly as it arrived, the Havana syndrome disappeared. It's possible that it was all in the victims' heads. Their imagined enemy was implanted by the ones who claimed to be their allies, 
the scientists and politicians supposedly working to unearth the truth. Regardless of the cause, we can confidently say that fear is one of the most powerful forces on Earth. Like infrasound, microwaves, and bombs, fear can be weaponized. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. For more information on the Havana Syndrome, amongst the many sources we used, we found articles from Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, and The New York Times extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Unexplained Mysteries, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Matthew Garland, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. <laughs>